Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the first serve. We are back. It's Monday night, 8 o'clock. You know what it means. We talk uh, the world of tennis on the back of no sleep for a fortnight. Oh, some 40 winks coming up over the next uh, few days. No doubt about that. Sporting theatre at its best. And yes, we uh, on this show cover the sport of tennis very intimately. Whatever sport it is, we love our footy, of course, Um Sporting theatre when uh, either two competitors individually are going at it or two teams are going at it and it's at the highest quality. Is there anything better for all of us that just absolutely love our sport? The lines are open for you right throughout the next hour. The only opportunity on Australian radio to talk the world of tennis on a weekly basis. The floor is yours tonight. You can talk French Open if that tickles your fancy. If you want to talk anything else in the world of tennis, you can do that. The number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, Or you can jump on the text, 0433981116. But we'd love to hear your dulcet tones on the radio tonight. I'll tell you what, Mick, I've got a bit to give away tonight. Here we go. Got the uh, Sunbless sunscreen. Got tons of it. Magnificent first serve tennis sunscreen. All thanks to our very good friends. We had Mike in the studio out last week. What a star. Also got Paul McNamee's book. He's uh, been over in Paris the last week, Macca. Of course, uh, welcome to the dance. Uh, master Clay to Master Tennis. Got a few books to give away. Got the Australian Tennis Magazine, the latest edition. We've got the Tennis Director voucher, of course. You can visit tennisdirect.com.au right now. First serve listeners can get that 10% discount store wide using the promo code. First serve 10, all one word. So you can shop while you're listening tonight and it'll all be delivered to your front door at tennisdirect.com.au. So they're all the prizes we're giving away. Anything you want to talk about in the world of tennis. But our focus in the last week has been Roland Garros. And on the weekend, we saluted two champions. A comeback from the heavens, from a god of the sport. With everything he has won in tennis. Did we just witness Novak Djokovic's greatest ever Grand Slam victory? It is a 19th major honour. It is a second Roland Garros title. And it is one of the most stunning finals you will see from one of the most incredible players you will ever witness. The limit of Novak Djokovic is just in a place where so few can match. You know, I achieve my dreams. It's a, it's a difficult journey. It uh, takes a lot of uh, amount of work every single day. So thank you, Roland Garros, for making this uh, two weeks uh, so incredible for me. I hope to be back next year and uh, put out a good show again. I can relate to what he's going through. I understand how difficult that is, you know, losing in the finals of a Grand, grand Slam. and. You know, these are the kind of occasions, these are the kind of matches that you learn from the most, I think. And knowing him and his team, he's going to come out uh, much stronger from, from this.
this uh, match today and I, I definitely believe he's going to win many Grand Slams in the future. It's long. It's yeah. called long. Very much. Thank you. Pavlyuchenko's not sure, but he's accepted it. And we have a new champion. Three years after saying she wanted to be more than just a double specialist, Barbara Krejcikova is on the Grand Slam singles roll of honor. Well, I just knew that I really have to serve the first serve in during the last game and I just prepare the point. I think there was a, there was something I was just telling to my to my brain, like go for a first serve, go for a first serve. So really close match. I really want to congratulate Anastasia as well. I mean, she's already a great champion. She, she has won so many tournaments. She is such an experienced player. You know, it was really hard to play against you today. I'm sorry. This is something I always dream of and especially, you know, having Martina here, making my dreams come true. Dreams come true indeed. 19 for Novak and the first for Barbara Krichikova. What a weekend. Brett Phillips in the chair tonight. It's great to have uh, Jed Zetzer, who's with me, well, pretty much 24-7, covering the world of tennis. Because this sport doesn't stop. There's no let-up. I mean, we were just looking at the amount of Aussies playing tonight because uh, so quickly, Jed, the attention goes from the clay to the grass. There's Aussies everywhere, and that's our... That's our obligation. That's what we promise as the first serve. We're going to cover every single Australian from the highest level down to the ITFs and the juniors and the beginning of the pathway through our social. So follow us on social media if you want to be kept right across the Aussies. But a few things to get through tonight. But welcome to you. Nice to have you. You've slept as much as I have in the past fortnight. <laughs> I think my whole sleeping pattern's changed. But no, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, BP. Been a big fortnight, hasn't it? Uh, we've covered it around the clock, uh, and a special uh, mention too to Josh Gablich, who used to work for Fox Sports uh, in Australia. He works for BT Sport over in London. Uh, he uh, filed for us, jumped on, uh, I don't know if he flew or um, caught the train over to uh, Paris, and he's done some outstanding work for us over the last uh, fortnight uh, as our person on the ground, because that's our biggest restriction. If I could have been in Paris, I would. <laughs> I know you'd love to get there, uh, Jed. There's nothing like being on the ground at these events, but in the COVID times, we can't. So uh, Josh did a great job uh, for us. And and our website, our socials, uh, we're covering tennis 24-7. That's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. I must admit, I was very jealous of Josh. He uh, he sat in on all the big matches and uh, especially that semi-final between Novak Djokovic and <laughs> the King of Clay. I mean, I, I was very, how, I very jealous. I don't know I lasted all night. I did an all-nighter for the first time. I mean, I'm, you know, a little generation gap between you and I. And uh, once upon a time, I could sit up all night. But I found as I've got older, I get to about 11 o'clock midnight. But I, you know what I did in between? So when Pass and Zverev played, that finished, what, about 2, 3 a.m.? Mm. I actually ducked out to 7, 11. Yeah. And I just grabbed a little bit of chocolate and just a few nibblies to come back. Because if I had laid down on the couch, I would have missed all of <laughs> Djokovic and Nadal. So... I needed to sit upright, have something to eat, and got through. I can't believe I did the exact same thing. I went, I jumped in the car and went to the drive-through and got myself a coffee because I thought there's no ways I'm going to get through this. <laughs> no, big hours. Uh, so the lines are open for you tonight. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. We used to do a segment a number of years ago called sort of Ace and Unforced Error. So your ace can be your real positive, your positives out of the French Open. Your unforced errors can be the real negatives you didn't like uh, from a particular match, to just things going on with the French Open. Uh, you can pick your best match. You can go through your best moments, whatever you like. And if you don't want to talk French Open, you can talk anything else in the world of tennis. one three hundred 
736 736. Dougal's in Box Hill South to kick us off. Dougal, good evening to you. Um, hi, mate, BP, mate, and uh, loved your work on Roland Garros commentary over the last uh, couple of weeks on the Nine Network. Absolutely sensational stuff. Mate, um, last night, the final city passed Novak Djokovic. Uh, it was really a match of two halves. I thought uh, Steph was absolutely awesome in the uh, first two sets and uh, looked like he had Novak on the ropes. But um, what happened in the third? Uh, Steph uh, just sort of, it looked like he dropped his game a bit and uh, wasn't really pushing Novak around the court and uh, Novak started finding his forehand. Well, it's interesting, Dougal, because, uh, you know, as you get older, the body uh, gets a little stiffer and I sometimes have a little bit of <laughs> a blockage in my hip. I don't get up too well, Jed. He had a blockage in his hip, uh, he passed. So he called the uh, the trainer out. Uh, Novak uh, went off for uh, a little breather and just sort of got his hip working okay. But as he said afterwards, it didn't majorly affect him. I think the writing was on the wall in the early stages of the third. This always happened. I mean, if you watch enough tennis, you can see the patterns here. So we saw it with uh, Musetti when he came back from two sets to love down. So the less fancied player gets a great start. I mean, that first set tiebreaker could have gone either way. Mm. Djokovic drops his uh, he's level a bit in the second. He was feeling it a little bit. He hadn't actually practised uh, the day before, so he just came in after that Nadal match. And then these guys, they're just freaks. He and Nadal, they can just go to an incredible level to get the match totally swung back in their favour. Well, you speak often about the margins, BP, in tennis and how they are so small between, you know, everyone inside the top 100 and even beyond. But I think that, you know, last night, if we didn't already know, we now do know the mental side of it, Djokovic has everyone covered. I I feel as if, if he goes two sets to love down, it doesn't even really tweak him mentally. No. I think he still considers himself the red hot favorite to win the match. And last night... As you said, early in the third set, the writing was on the wall for for mine. I thought pretty early that Djokovic was going to come back. Uh, and look, it's almost a disadvantage for Tsitsipas having a two sets to love lead and then going into a fifth, all the momentum's with Djokovic. It was, yeah, it was always Novak's to lose after that. Yeah, it was a tsunami coming and he, he just wears you down, isn't he? He's mm. so consistent and he'll make you just play rally ball, rally ball, rally ball, rally ball, bang, he'll strike when he needs to. But he'll just build pressure and he'll just go to the corners. He'll hit with great depth and accuracy. I mean, and he's serving. So it's just, it's tough. Um, and Sitsipas, after doing such a good job, from that point on, couldn't really find any openings to exploit Novak, which is one of the toughest of songs. We talk about how tough it is to play in the Dale on clay, but just to play Djokovic full stop on any surface, the way he defends. And we talk about whether it be an individual sport or team sports. You get your defence right, your offence builds off that, and he's the brick wall. Yeah, well, I think uh, the match sort of flipped because originally Djokovic was defending because Tsitsipas was attacking so much off that backhand wing. And as Grothy said in the coverage, from midway through the third set onwards, Sitsipas started slicing a lot more on the backhand side, which mm. allowed Djokovic to come in. Yep. And I think that's where the match swung. It was just the change in that backhand from Tsitsipas. And we saw late in that fifth set where he tried to really go for his shots again. He started actually building a little bit of momentum to try and break back. But let's be honest, it was a bit too little, too late. Yeah, yeah you felt that. Good on you, Dougal. Thank you. Uh, we do have prizes for everyone tonight, so we'll get all your details. one three hundred seven three six. 736. Anything you want to weigh in as far as the French Open is concerned and the world of tennis? The floor 
is absolutely yours uh, for this hour on SEN. Now, I should just mention this and a couple have come through on the text as well, but Hayden Murdoch, who does follow us on uh, Twitter, I don't know if he's listening in tonight, but Hayden said to me, Jed, uh, Brett, uh, better than Fed and Rafa and can even speak French. I think the French really appreciate that when Novak just uh, rolls that off the tongue beautifully. Uh, Not just the greatest statistically, but the best ever. Hashtag no contest. Now, this is all subjective, of course. Now, he's naturally going to break all the records. He's the youngest of the three. He's going to go beyond the other two in terms of majors. Um, he's now the only man in the open era to win all four multiple times. He's got the better head-to-head against both. He's won more Masters 1000s. He's the only player in the open era to win all slams and all Masters once. Yes. And he's actually done it twice. Yep. So... Yep. So statistically, no doubt, he is going to be the greatest of all time. But I've always said I don't think it's purely based on stats. For me personally, for others, uh, for others it may be. So for me, I still maintain that um, in, my, in my heart and the way I view tennis, that Roger Federer is the best player I've seen play the game. And nothing will change my mind about that. Not that I disrespect Novak, not that I don't... Uh, appreciate the records that he's setting. This is all a subjective thing. So I don't think it's just based on stats. Um, but, you know, there'll be a fair argument when it's all said and done, if he plays for another three or four years and you add everything up, that it'll be hard to argue against him not being the greatest of all time. But it's still a subjective thing if we're just going on stats or you're going on feel. Well, I think it's interesting because I think the way that Federer plays, the elegance the class that he brings to the court, I think it draws people in and you fall in love with him Uh, and just his, you know, his personality as well. But as you mentioned, I mean, let's be honest, Djokovic, he could really create history this year. He could win the Grand Slam. He could win Wimbledon, US. And if he does, he'll then overtake them in the tally. Hmm. So Hmm. that'll be massive if he does do it. But I have to agree with you. It's that elegance that Federer brings to the court. He's so classy the way he goes about it. It almost looks effortless, and it's just beautiful to watch. Yeah, so if you're going just on feel and aesthetics, and those of us who have a tennis court in front of us and and love how players use the dimensions of it and their skill and their craft, then then I am unabashed Federer. But I am an admirer of Djokovic's... um, He's mental fortitude, he's, he's resilience, and I, I'm an admirer of him as an athlete. And he's a, he, he's a polarizing, polarizing figure, and certainly I think at times misunderstood. Um, but I take my hat off to him uh, as a competitor. I take my hat off to Nadal. We, we, I mean, I just said on a radio a few times today, Jed, I mean, this, this era has been unbelievable. 15 years, 15 years of three absolute superstars with a stranglehold on the majors. It's still the biggest challenge. These guys can beat him in Masters best of three, but to beat these guys best of five, oh, jeez, it's hard work. Well, admittedly, I've never known tennis in my lifetime to be anything different from the big three. I mean, mm. I'm only early 20s, so yeah. from the moment I sort of started following the sport, it was, I think the earliest memory I have is when Nadal sort of came onto the scene and started overtaking Federer. Mm. And since then, it's been the three of them just going at it. And I think we are living in the greatest era of the sport. And yeah, it's 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 an honour to watch them. Yep. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Best player of all time now from Christian. Uh, Novak has to be the best player in the world now. As I said, yeah, it's a subjective uh, 
conversation, depending where you come from. But uh, from this side of the desk, full respect for what uh, Djokovic has achieved. Uh, I'm a little nervous to call, and I understand that. We'd love to take uh, your call. If you're a first-time caller, we'd love to have you on the radio. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. But the text is in... Any mail if Ash Barty will play Wimbledon? Well, we did get some footage uh, last night, which I think may have come through on her social media, of her practising at Orangi, which is the practice courts uh, inside uh, Wimbledon. There was no strapping on her leg. Um, she seemed to be moving all right from the uh, the footage that we saw. So I think she'll she'll get herself up. Yeah, I think so. I'm looking forward to it. We haven't seen her at Wimbledon as the world number one, so it's going to be really interesting to see. Hmm. So that answers that for now. There is a bit of footage lying around, so just dig around the social media uh, channels. And, yeah, Ash uh, looked uh, pretty good on a nice uh, Wimbledon day, a crisp day in uh, London. Uh, Stuart is in uh, queue, has given us a call. Stuart, welcome to the first serve. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brett. Um, I was ringing... So I've been really impressed by the fact that um, in the women's side, there are just new players coming through, and I think the French Open in particular allows for new players to... Um, to, to come forward, particularly from say, the European side of things, Ash Barty a couple of years ago, and that's really impressive. And at a double fault, why don't they use Hawkeye? Um, it just seems ridiculous. Bring the, the central yes. umpire out into the corner of the court to come and check a line. I mean, it's just it was really strange every time it happened and even they yep. were making mistakes. I thought that was a really strange part of the, the coverage. Stuart, it was on my list uh, to bring up uh, tonight. Hang on, we've got a prize for you, but just listen in. Um, it's one of my uh, pet hates, uh, Jed. The, the chair umpire having to get out of the chair all the time. And Kretschachova should have had um, match point the first time around. Mm. So that has to be brought in. It has to be brought in uh, Hawkeye. Now, I know Darren Cale did put out a tweet last week to say that on the clay, it's not proven to be absolutely 100% correct. But I think if it's available to use, rather than the chair umpire coming down and then, okay, I think the mark's there, and then the players say, no, I think it's there, and there's disputes going on, why wouldn't we just use the Hawkeye now? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think tradition, it just comes back to tradition and... That's, I mean, we're starting to lose a little bit of it in tennis, especially at the Australian Open this year with no linesmen. But, yeah, I mean, what, what's your take on this? Well, they've modernised everything else at Roland Garros. I mean, that site is unrecognisable from when I went two years ago. What they've mm. done with the uh, the roof on Philippe Chaudrier, the, just the, uh, what they've done around the grounds, uh, they've done a great job. They had to. It was looking tired and run down. It reminded me of the old Subiaco over in Perth. Yeah. It had its, had its day. And it was lagging way behind the other slams. So the next part of the uh, the evolution of the French is let's get Hawkeye uh, operating for next year. And there's a couple of other things I want to bring up as uh, unforced errors. But I think they did a pretty solid job uh, to put on Roland Garros. And thank God we had some crowds the last few days. Because I'm telling you, having been in Paris at the French, the Parisian roar is something else. They And the, and the loudest roar came early hours Saturday morning when the curfew was just about to be... Uh, we thought, OK, they're going to kick everyone out into mm. the third set. And ever as Daraki Moore, the uh, Greek chair umpire in French, yes. uh, said, no, 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 no. You're staying right here, folks. We've done a deal with the FFT and the government have done a deal. You are exempt from having to get home by 11 o'clock. You're staying right here. It's amazing. I was speaking to Josh, our man on the grounds at Rolling Garros, and he was saying... He doesn't understand French, so he didn't know what was being said over the loudspeaker. But 
yep. the roar and the sheer emotion from the people around him, it yeah. told the story. Good on you, Stuart. Thank you. Uh, prize uh, for you as well. Uh, just on the text before we go to the break, how many Grand Slam finals has the winner come from two sets down to win the title in the men's? I know it has happened twice in the French before last night, but what about the other Grand Slams? Question without notice. We might try and... I'll, I'll find this out. Dig that up. I yep. mean, I'm, just, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, yeah, we're not, we might need a little bit of think music on that one, but... It doesn't uh, certainly doesn't happen all the time, that is for sure. Let's get a break in. We'll come back on the other side with uh, more of your calls. We're reviewing the French Open. We'd love to chat to you tonight here on The First Serve. First Serve Tennis Sunscreen, a quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis at sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Green Life Group, your open space specialists, providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Very nice to spend a Monday night with you. Brett Phillips in the chair. Jed Setzer is alongside me, and Jed is a big part of our team. Thefirstserve.com.au, ticking over daily, all our socials. You can follow us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, every Australian who plays every day, seven days a week, we're covering. And we're trying to, Jed, obviously through our socials, take people inside some of the tournaments. So we've actually we've actually found a couple of reporters, uh, a few of the players getting on board with us because a lot of the ITFs, there is uh, no footage. Mm. Uh, the challenges, uh, obviously, they're the live streams that uh, certainly pop up uh, around the world. So we're trying to take you inside those tournaments in our Aussies on the road who are at such opposite ends of the spectrum from those on the the, you know, the high level ATP WTA tour to those doing a little little tougher. Yeah, I mean it's there's there's a big difference in the levels, and I mean we've been talking about it, the top players and you know the money involved and the financial struggles for the players down mm. the other end of the tour, but mm. the margins they're not that big, are they? No, no, exactly right. Everyone can play. Technically, they're, you know everyone's pretty sound. It comes down to you know, fitness, strength, conditioning, um, attention to detail with everything you need to do to be a pro. I mean, Chris at Bateman's Bay, one of our great listeners. Good to have you on board, Chris, listening through the SEN app. Uh, Brett, can you tell tell us how hard it is for those on the Challenger Tour with the, the worldwide travel restrictions? It's always been financially tough for those in the lower tiers, but how are they managing to navigate that now? Well, one thing we've seen, Chris, since February, it's sort of been a staggered um production of Australians going overseas. So some sort of left immediately, some stayed in Australia for a month, some have stayed longer than that and sort of mapped out, well, okay, if I'm once I go, I go, but I've got to work out how how long is it sustainable for me to go away. Yeah, well I think we can agree that the Aussies are doing it the toughest yep. because of the quarantine rules and you know, they don't want to go and come back a couple of weeks later. If they're gone, mm. they're gone for a long time. Mm. Uh, and the other thing is the fact that there's actually no tournaments here, so they're not receiving wild cards into these challenger events. There's no free passes. They've got to go out there and do it the hard yep. way, and it's seeing a lot of these guys go down onto the futures circuit, mm. um, ITF circuit, so it's real tough for the Aussies. Yeah, I mean, a good example, Chris, is obviously we've been following the fortunes the last month, and you can follow it through our socials too. Um, Tom Fancutt and Jeremy Beale, who took off, they've had a stretch of about five weeks in uh, Tunisia, and obviously had a lot of double success, winning four titles together. And it's funny, both in the same week have uh, struck down uh, with an injury, so mm. they've been playing a lot of tennis. Uh, but, for example, Tom didn't play last week, and it cost him, what, about 750 bucks just to, you know, a com, food, just to basically survive for the week. He's earning no price money. So 
Yeah, look, that's the least glamorous side, no doubt. Uh, 736 Anthony's been holding on in sunshine. Anthony, great to have you on the first serve. You two have been, by the way, a nice job for you the last two weeks. BP, I saw in Channel 9, you look pretty good, mate. You look really good. You're the main attraction. And do you listen? I just wanted to ask you a question, mate, because um, with the the woman who won the French Open, yep. just want to know, when was the last time that a French Open woman champion went on win to Wimbledon in that same season? Can you find out for me? Well, Jed's got the answer right here. We were digging during uh, the break. and I was, We sort of thought of the guy immediately off the top of our head. We just, we just wanted to verify it. Yeah, so 2010, Rafael Nadal won <laughs> the French Open and then Wimbledon. And Roger did it the year before that. Yeah. And Nadal did it the year before that. So three yeah. years in a row it was done. But since then, it hasn't been done. So then it would have been what is currently now, the two-week gap back then. Yeah. Because the, the, the three-week grass court season's only come in, what, the last few years, mm. just to stretch out the grass court season and give a, a bigger break between the two majors. So, yeah, it's always been tough for, for Rafa, as we know, to, to back up after a big clay court campaign uh, into the grass. Yeah, it has been. But it's interesting how it was done three years in a row. Mm. And then since then, it hasn't right. been done. Good on you, Anthony. Thank you for your call. Tony's in East Bentley. Tony, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks, Brett. Uh, for young Jeb there, who said he was in the early 20s before, I remember, <clears throat> sorry, I remember Rod Laver playing, and he is the best tennis player I've ever seen. Yeah. He had absolutely everything. And if he was playing today, he's very similar to the way Nadal plays, but his volleying was just superb. He would have won thirty to forty Grand Slams. Yeah, David on the text here said the one and only goat is Rod Laver. So once again, this is all very subjective as to how you view tennis. The eras, depending what age we all are, um, and I think it's I think personally, it's just more than stats. I think it's oh, absolutely. I mean, you could you could mount a very strong argument um, for a number of male players across the journey who who are not achieving the numbers these three are, but, you know, beyond Borg. I mean, presenting the trophy mm. last night, won six uh, French Opens. I mean, he, he retired in his mid-20s. Yeah. It's, it's so... I mean, I love that from Anthony. I mean, I would have loved to have seen Rod Laver play live, and I've seen his highlights. It doesn't do it justice, but, yeah, I love that. Good on you, Tony. Got a prize for you as well, mate. Thank you for uh, your call. So what else do we take out of the French um, in terms of matches, just in terms of the way the tournament was run? What are your own observations of the last uh, fortnight? Well, I think it was incredibly interesting to watch the women's side unfold because it was just, you know, seed after seed was falling. Uh, We thought it was Sviantex to lose. She was the you know, last remaining seed in mm. the top, I think it was the top 10 or 15 yep. alive. Yep. And then she fell and it sort of, it blew open a draw that was already wide open. Yep. And I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen from that point onwards. And I mean, this, this story, Barbora Krechikova is, it's one for the ages really, isn't it? Well, she's <laughs> always been a, a great doubles player. We know yep. that. So she's been world number one doubles, had already won two Grand Slams, won at the French previously with Cynthia Cover, And, yeah, we, we knew about her deeds. And, you know, you'd, you'd always sort of watch her in the singles rankings. Solid. She was in the top 100, but certainly not setting the world on fire. In fact, two of the slams, she's never even qualified for the main draw. Um, and she's put a little bit of a bigger emphasis on the singles, and the, the bit I loved about her, when it got to this such open stage of who was remaining in the quarters and the semis, I think it was her composure. Because Maria Sakari, who's, you know, she's wound up 
great intense athlete, but just couldn't quite nail it, couldn't quite execute when she had her chance to be in a Grand Slam final. And Krejcikova just, I think, stayed really calm. Uh, she hit the ball beautifully. I think she just tactically and her temperament on court was really, really good. It got herself out of some sticky situations against some bigger hitters. Well, I was going to say, I mean, in her last couple of matches, they were very tight, but she just simply had the edge mentally. And I think that got her over the line. And I think also, I mean, we saw her reaction when she won the tournament. It was as if she had just won a match. It wasn't like she'd won the tournament. Uh, And I think she's just, you know, a very composed person, as you mentioned. And it was it was almost refreshing to see someone like that win a slam. Mm. Yeah, a little bit older. Who's? It's funny you look at her and I think I thought she was probably older than what she is. I mean, she's only twenty five, so you know she could um, possibly go on and have a bit more success. I mean, this will be the question from here. And the French has um, produced so many one off winners in the last seven or eight yeah. years, including our very own Ash. Because there's no given. There is absolutely no guarantee that Ash Barty's going to get back to another Grand Slam final. We, we absolutely hope so. We think she's probably got the talent to do so. Mm. But the women's is damn competitive. It's tough. It is. And it's it's not like the men where they have, you know, this big three who have dominated for so long. It's quite an open game. And I actually think it's so much harder because, you know, we have some of these youngsters that are coming up. You know, Naomi Osaka is very young still. Mm. Ash Barty's young in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, Corey Goff, Coco Goff, she's coming up. All these young girls break onto the scene quite quickly and, you know, they can assert themselves early. Well, just on the text here, if Ash Barty is fit, she wins that French Open. I don't think Christian is an absolute ironclad guarantee of that. No doubt she would have gone deep, great clay quarter, loves the surface, but no no guarantee. I mean, you know, Sakari was probably due for a bit of a breakout. We know Coco Goff is coming. Sviontek's a huge talent that just was a little bit off mm. on the day, eager after um, putting herself into favouritism. I'm disappointed for Pavlia Chinkova, who I've been, I wouldn't say an admirer of, but I've, you know, you thought, gee, you know, to be inside the top 50 for about 13 years straight, be as high as 13, quarterfinals of all the majors prior to her breakthrough here to go one step further and two steps further into a final. But I think the thing that we've always been concerned with her was exploited in that final. That's her movement. Mm. She just didn't move that well in those rally ball situations where Krejcikova could just stretch her a little bit to the to the corners, and her movements been and her fitness has been the the major question mark on her career. Well, I think you know she is so consistent. She, as you mentioned, thirteen years she's been consistent for so long, and she's always capable of taking a scalp. I think. She's definitely someone who players would want to steer clear of in a main draw. Mm. But you're right. I mean, it's it came down to essentially what's let her down and stopped her from taking that next step for yep. quite some time now. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the reality is those two players on the weekend, if I'm reading the tea leaves right and we, you know, we, we follow the game week in, week out, it's going to be a huge ask for them to get back to another Grand Slam final because if Barty gets going again, Osaka gets going again and Halep's going to come back from injury and Oza got knocked out earlier and Andrescu keeps her body in good nick and can play some sustained tennis. I mean, they're going to be the players that are probably going to be jockeying for the slams. Now, we had Michael from Vermont just before the break. How many Grand Slam finals has the winner come from two sets down to win the title in the men's? We did have a... A couple that we can tell you? Yes, so it's happened six times, including this uh, Djokovic win. 
Uh, five of them have been at Roland Garros. 1974, Borg uh, came from two sets to love down to beat Manuel Orantes. Yep. Uh, Ivan Lendl against John McEnroe in 84 mm-hmm. at Roland Garros. Mm. Andre Agassi against Andre Medvedev in 99 at Roland Garros. Yep. 04, Gaston Gardio against uh, Guillermo Correa. Yep. Uh, and then obviously last year's US Open, Dominic Thiem against Sasha Zverev. Indeed. There you go. That answers that. And uh, Paul Lake and Djokovic will be the best of all time. Thank you, PA, for your contribution as always. You'll go on to win 24 or 25. It's certainly looking like that at the moment. He's on another level in all domains, technically, tactically, physically, and mentally. And one thing I've never done over the years is disagree with the great Paul Aiken. A break on the first serve. Back with plenty more. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group. Your open space specialists. At glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. On a Monday night, uh, post uh, Roland Garros uh, 2021, Novak Djokovic wins for a 19th time. Imagine if he wins Wimbledon, Jed. 2020-20. It would just be... the top three. It would be fitting, wouldn't it? He's got to start as the hot favourite. It's a quick turnaround, but he is a machine at the moment, uh, Novak Djokovic. I tell you, you're winning a few fans uh, on the... Socials at the moment, very happy with your contribution to the show tonight. Of course, if you've never heard uh, Jed's uh, voice on this show, he has been on the show many times. We thought we'd get him in for the full hour tonight, but uh, he is responsible for uh, just about our whole operation. Uh, (laughs) He's the night owl. (laughs) You're covering the hours where I just get the match to guys and can go uh, no longer. Damien in Frankston. Uh, Damien, welcome to you. BP, how are we? Very well, thanks. Just before I get to Novak Djokovic, um, I went out and had a hit first for the first time the other day, which is very exciting. Had you hit them nice knees. and crisp out of the middle of the strings? Uh, no, it takes a bit of getting used to. <laughs> wasn't uh, <laughs> few shags. what I predicted. <laughs> yeah, it was. Okay. I um, wanted to talk to you about Novak Djokovic. Yep. Um, obviously, his win in Roland Garros last night. Where do you have him in your uh, sort of greatest players, VP? Well, I said it off the top, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, Federer, for me, uh, I think it'll be, you know, as someone who covers the sport day in, day out, it'll be the saddest day for me when Roger uh, hangs up the boots, whenever that's going to be. We don't have a, an official line of sight on that. But I think he'll be he'll be missed. Uh, he, he's turned the needle, I think, more than anyone else uh, in the game. But I admire all three of them. I think they're, they're unbelievable athletes who have set themselves apart from the rest. And the young guys have got some work to do to make up the ground. I'll just say this. I don't mean to be negative. But tennis has got to get tougher, Jed. Mm. They've got to get tougher. The, the, the time-wasting of Nadal, I'm telling you, is a blight on the game. Is an absolute blight. But the chair umpires, they, they, they won't touch it because they're saying, how do we pull Raffer up now? How are we going to pull him up now? Maybe the next generation will change the rules. But he's time-wasting with towels and making everyone wait. It's a joke. It is an absolute joke. I mean, and there was sitting commentary. There was even TV commentators exasperated on the weekend. And Djokovic with the bouncing of the ball. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's horrendous. But anyway, I mean, look, they're great champions and we love them in full flight once they're into rallies and it's just high octane, brilliant stuff. But they've got to get tougher tennis in that regard. Nadal's got all these superstitions and these little quirky things that he does. And I think you're right. I think it's just... 
it's hard because of who he is and what he brings to these tournaments, but you've just got to bite the bullet. They should sit down with him and say, look, you've had a run. You can't have special rules for some and not for others. They've got to sit down with him and say, from now on, the rules are changing. We're yeah. going to be tougher on you. We're going to be harder on you. And stop letting him go to 28 seconds. As soon as that, soon as that cl- uh, shot clock hits zero, you should be officially warned if you are not into your service motion. Simple well, as that. It's interesting. So I love at the Australian Open sitting on the outside courts, and I think matches are adjudicated differently. Mm. It is to a T. If it hits 25 seconds and yep. they haven't started the serving motion, yep. they'll get the little warning or whatever it is. On the centre courts, it's different. Mm. It's just different. Mm. You know, it's, it's a it's a frustrating part of it. Now, I, I love Rafa, and I, I, he's a beast. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what other word to describe him. I mean, he's just one hell of a competitor. And he, I mean, this is this is the first time he played at night because it was day going yeah. into night. So clearly, his game, which has excelled on the uh, the day uh, atmosphere and conditions of Roland Garros, uh, with his forehand in particular. So he was lacking real penetration, wasn't he? I mean, his serve became pretty limper late in that match. So gee, he would love that match to have stayed as a you know, total daytime match. Yeah, it certainly didn't do him any favours, the change in, condi- in conditions mid-match as well. Good on you, Damien. Thank you. Price for you, my friend. Nice uh, call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 A little snapshot of other things going on. So Marin Cilic, who lost to Federer, second round of the French. He had a win on the weekend. Big Marin in Stuttgart. Been a little while between drinks. Former world number three, down to 37 in the world uh, these days. Uh, Francis Tiafo, who just hasn't kicked on of all the young Americans. We know they've got no men inside the top 30 at the moment, he won the uh, the challenger in Nottingham over the weekend. His sixth challenger title, but I mean, he's seventy nine one oh five win loss on the ATP tour, so he hasn't been able to transition, has he? He's got Wayne Ferrer has been his coach for a little while now, two time Australian Open semi finalists. Can't quite put it together at the top end. I think there's a lot of players who have just come and jumped him. Uh, you know, Davidovich Fakina, who had this big run at Roland oh, yes. Garros. Was that uh, the best match? Him and Rude. Casper was. A, I think it was the best atmosphere. Yeah, for mine, this was like, this was, it was just awesome, every every aspect of the match. But yeah, I think there's been a group of players who have jumped Tiafo, mm. um, including a fellow American, Tommy Paul, yeah. first time inside the top 50 today. And he was the one lagging behind. Yes. When Tiafo and Fritz and uh, Opelka and a few of these were rising, Tommy got left behind and now he's overtaken them. Yeah, and I think he's got the high ceiling out of all those American players. So I'm mm. really interested to see uh, when his little breakthrough comes. Uh, Matty Ree, we love Matty Ree. We've had him on a few times. Uh, third challenger title for the weekend. 21-11 win loss. So one in Nottingham with um, Kenny Skupski beating, uh, of course, the Aussies. Ebden Smith. We watched a fair bit of that on the grass. BP, I've got an opinion here. Matt Ebden and JP Smith, and it's very stiff to John Piers. I don't know if they can tw- <laughs> you know, put him in there somehow. Yeah. They should be the Australian uh, Davis Cup doubles team. You think so? They've made a final this year on the tour. They've taken some big scalps. This mm-hmm. was a strong field this week in Nottingham. Yep. I think they're a really good doubles team. Okay. Well, gonna, well let, let's just mark that down with a little asterisk. Yeah. We'll, we'll just keep an eye on things because it's interesting. I noticed that Luke Saville and Max Purcell are not playing together this coming week prior to Wimbledon. I think Purcell's playing with uh, Karatsev. He is. He's playing with Karatsev. So I don't know why the split there... I think it's because he had opportunities to play singles okay. herself. So, uh, yeah. yeah, interesting. But And, I, I mean, it's probably disrespectful to John Pierce, but I just mm. think they're a really good team and 
John Pierce doesn't have a set partner, and we've been crying out for that for a while. So well, he's playing with someone else this week, as uh, Michael Venus isn't playing. I've got it here on my sheet somewhere where he's uh, playing, but we'll uh, we'll wait and see. So yeah, that's a, that's a decision for later in the year for the Davis Cup. Pablo Cuevas, uh, the veteran Uruguayan, yes. had a win in Lyon, won the doubles too with his brother on the weekend. So. Nice work from the man who entertained us in uh, lockdown uh, pre-Australian Open. A uh, couple of other results uh, through... I, tell this, I like this young man. He's been going very well this year. Zizou Bugs. He's from Belgium. <laughs> um, now, he's gone from 436 to 220 in the world this year. He's won three Challenger titles. I like these sort of stories. Zizou Bugs from Belgium. He's only 22. So he's uh, he's a nice little riser on the... Uh, Challenger Tour in the last week. One to watch, absolutely. Mm. Let's get a break away. We'll come back a few other bits to tidy up the first serve. First serve tennis sunscreen. A quality Australian-made sunscreen to protect those that love their tennis. At sunblessunscreens.com.au and GLG Greenlife Group, your open space specialists. Providing landscape, horticultural and environmental services throughout Australia at glgcorp.com. The first serve. Your home of tennis. Rightio, rapid fire finished here. We've got a few things to try and fit in about two and a half minutes. Here we go. Uh, racing away, Pierre Hilcabert and Nicolas Mahou. What a champion pairing. Now, no decent French male singles players or any chance of uh, uh, elevating themselves where Yannick Noah was, but that was one of the biggest roars you could hear from the outside courts every time these two played in the last week. Fifth major title together, second French. There's a girl. How good are the Czech Republic going? So Kritschikova wins, of course, in the main draw, but their junior, Linda Noskova, who's a 16-year-old, or it's 6.54 in the world, uh, she won the junior. So the Czech Republic have got a nice little uh, production line going on. What do you got for us? On the Aussie side of things, uh, Alex Vukic qualifies at Queens, and he'll yes. play Denis Shapovalov in the first round. Good. Now, get your popcorn out. That'll be a good one. Mm, he's going to right, Vukic. He is. He's doing nicely. Uh, Alex Bold and Matty Ebden, they are in action now uh, in Nottingham. And Alex Bolt, BP, he notched his first win since leaving Australia. Yes. Now, you and I, see, I've gone and corrected it on our socials again today because I was one out. It's nine. He'd lost nine straight matches. Wow. So since leaving Australia, won one match at the Australian Open, lost second round. So we include that as a loss. And then yeah. since he jumped on the road, he'd lost nine straight including that first round at Roland Garros, Garros qualifying and the week before. So, yeah, he did um, win his first qualifying match. Uh, is that, Where is that, Nottingham? Yes, Nottingham. She'll get going now, uh, Alex Bolt, I reckon. The lefty. Uh, so we've got Aussies everywhere this week. Um, Demonor and, and Thompson will be playing. Sam Stowes is back uh, this week, her first tournament. Uh, she's playing later tonight in Birmingham with uh, Tom Lianovic in the main draw there. And John Millman hopefully can return from his injuries, uh, scheduled yep. to play Riley Opelka in about an hour's time. Okay, big Riley. Well, he's, he can deal with the big Riley uh, serve. There's uh, no doubt about that. Uh, anything on the text we haven't uh, quite finished off? I think we've answered pretty much all the questions uh, coming through on the text uh, tonight. A few agreeing with uh, Rafa. Um you don't have to agree with me any time. You can go against me. Michael at Vermont, I agree with you, but I reckon Federer is the best men's tennis player of all time. He glides around the court, places shots to perfection. He's a maestro of tennis. Nadal and Novak are great, but a bit more grunt. Yeah, they're all different styles. Now, what's that makes it interesting is we don't want them all being the same, but they're all great champions. Yep, exactly. Jed, we're done. Where'd the time go? Thank you, BP. 40 winks the next two weeks. <laughs> we're going to... Um, 
just sort of get back to some normality in terms of a bit of sleep. Uh, Wimbledon on the horizon in a fortnight. Keep an eye on our website right throughout the week, thefirstserve.com.au. Keep across all our socials and you'll be up to date with all the Aussies, everything happening around the globe for the sport that uh, never stops. And you can shop at Tennis Direct uh, this week, tennisdirect.com.au. Use that discount code FIRSTSERVE10. Shop to your heart's content. Catch you next week at 8. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.